It's good to be back. I've been on vacation the last couple of weeks, so I haven't had a chance to be up here. Uh, thank you, uh, Jim and, and Dan, for uh, filling the pulpit while I was gone. And I, I was actually blessed just to be able to listen to you guys, and so that was really cool. Uh, thanks for uh, allowing me to be gone. We had the chance to uh, go on vacation, and uh, then last weekend we were moving to a different house. And so we are almost figured out where everything is. You've still got boxes, and you're still looking for stuff in boxes, but that's just part of moving. And uh, so thankful Thankful for those guys filling in and glad to be with you this morning. As I was thinking about our passage today, I was thinking about how I'm in this, tr- this time of trouble right now, okay? If you know me, you know we've got five kids. Uh, we've got four boys and one girl. Now, I don't know if you have a girl, if you've had a daughter, but I, I had boys first. And so I had these three little boys first and my brother-in-law, so they had girls first. And so these little girls would come up and, and, and they'd smile at dad and dad would give them whatever they want. Dad would just give in and I'm like, you guys are pansies. Like, come on, man. Like, like, like you're, you're spoiling your daughter. And then I get my own daughter. Holy moly. It is special. And she, this is why we're in troubling times. She had the audacity. She had the audacity to come and sit on my lap and say, Daddy, can I get a kitten? Oh, no, no, no. And not just once. Like, she keeps saying, Daddy, can I have a kitten? Daddy, can I have a kitten? And, and she looks at me, and she's got this red hair and these big blue eyes, and she's got these freckles all across her cheeks. And she keeps asking me to have to keep breaking her heart. No, sweetie, we're a dog family. No, no, no. I have to admit, like, I'm on the verge of relenting. Like, I'm on the verge for the specific purpose of mice. Like, they can get rid of the mice. And that's the only reason I would consider relenting. But it made me think about this. Because if you have kids, you know this is what kids do. They just keep asking they have like this audacity, this boldness, this, this shamelessness where they're just going to keep asking you and asking you and asking you. And finally, you're like, fine, whatever. Go take the car. Drive to Oregon. I don't care if you're six years old. Get out of here. Stop asking me. And, and this is what kids do. They have this, this, this boldness and this audacity and the shamelessness. Now, as we grow into adults, it's a little bit of a different story. Like, we've got to be a little bit more dignified like we've got to have some self-respect you know we've got we've got self-worth that we've got to hold on to and so we don't have the same kind of boldness and the same kind of audacity as 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 kids often do and i think of my adult life i can think about one very specific time that i was very bold in a request many of you know for uh, seven years i ran madison house community center in downtown yakima and one of the things uh, when I got hired at Madison House is they had a large clothing, uh, clothing bank, clothing distribution in our basement. And I got there, so we're, we're giving clothes out. But the way the system was, was created was a little bit weird because Madison House was owned by the Union Gospel Mission. And the mission, what they would do is they would get all these donations and then they'd sort the donations. And the nicer donations would go to the old lighthouse shop, which is a secondhand store, and they'd be sold there. And then the other stuff would come down to Madison House into our clothing bank and be given away for free. And, uh, and, I, and I just thought, something's wrong here, okay? First of all, the clothing bank was in our basement, which is the largest space in the building. And I'm looking at this basement, 
And, and, and I've got kids all throughout this building. They're jumping all over the walls, creating holes, creating a mess. And this basement was like a concrete bunker. Like kids could run and jump and kick and not break anything. But there's this clothing bank down there. And so I, I, I had this idea. Hey, what if I ask my boss to move the clothing bank, where instead of having a clothing bank, we would send families over to the lighthouse shop and they could get a voucher and get some stuff there. Like, it would be a better system. And I wanted the basement. And so, and so I was very bold. And I went up to my boss and I said, hey, here's what I think we should do. And his first response to me was, we've always done it there. No, no, we can't do that. And so then I wasn't going to take that for an answer, though. I, I had some of that shameless audacity, that boldness. And I kept asking, and I said, hey, hey, if we do this, more people would go into the lighthouse shop. And so that would be good. And, and if we do this, we could cut a staffing position. We could cut costs by not having to have a, a clothing big manager at Madison House. And, and we could do this and that. And, 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 and I got some other people on my side, and they started talking to him. And I kept bugging him and, and asking him. And finally, after about a year, finally he says, okay, I'm exasperated. If I, if, if I say yes, will you stop bugging me? And I said, absolutely, absolutely. And so that's what they did. They moved the, the clothing bank over to the old lighthouse shop and Madison House. We had our basement. Now it's turned into this great indoor soccer place and there's games and all sorts of fun things for kids to do. And uh, I think the only reason he gave in was because of the exasperation, because I just kept being relentless. I just kept being bold with my request. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn to uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke, if you, if you need a Bible, just slip your hand up. We've got an usher in the back. They'll come and bring one of uh, these up to you. Um, Luke is in the second half of your Bible, the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And as you're turning there, my personality, though, is I'm not typically going to be that bold person. I'm not going to be that person who's going to be persistent when asking. That's just not my personality. In fact, like, when I'm going to buy something... Like, the worst thing for me to do is have to barter. Like, have to, like, like going to buy a car and trying to figure out, well, what's the low? I, like, I hate doing that. That's just not my personality. I'm not that bold and, and, and that, that persistent. And, and I have this tendency where if I have a need, if I want something, if I want help, my tendency is going to be I want to investigate. I want to figure out so I can get as close to an answer before actually asking the question. So I want to, you know, bug and, and find out and investigate so that way when I finally answer the, ask the question, I kind of have a pretty good feeling for what the answer is going to be. Like, that's just my personality. Now, some of you, you're, some of you, you're just, you're, you're shameless. Like, it doesn't matter what the request is. It doesn't matter what it is, how it is. You're just going to put it out there and say, hey, hey, here's what I need. And you're just shameless in your requests. That's just not my personality. I'm a little bit more reserved until I can guarantee the outcome. And that especially happens when there is an authority that I'm talking to, whether it be my boss, whether it be uh, a police officer, whether it be my wife, like somebody who has the ability to, uh, to make your life difficult. Like I'm really going to be cautious till I can know what the answer is going to be. And a few of you men are looking at your wives. Hey, no shame in that. Listen, whether you are one of those shameless people who are uh, bold in your requests, or whether you're a little bit more reserved like me, there's one relationship that many of us are going to struggle with. One relationship that we struggle being bold with our requests. And this is with our prayer life with God. 
for any number of reasons, we have this, this, this hesitancy to be really bold with our requests before God. Some of us, we feel like, well, I can't be bold with my request before God because I know I'm in sin. I know that I am not living for God. I'm not, I'm not living according to his ways. I know I'm a little bit screwed up. And since I haven't earned God's love, then there's no reason that God's actually going to listen to me. There's no reason that God's going to help me because I'm not living the way I should be and I'm not living for God. Sometimes we don't pray boldly before God because we look around at our world. We look at how broken our world is. We look at all of the problems going on. And there's so many bigger issues in our world than our situation and whatever we're going through. So we feel like, man, there's no way that God's going to be concerned about my little insignificant issue in my life. When God's got all these bigger things he's trying to deal with all across the world. Sometimes, sometimes actually having a mature faith uh, causes us not to ask God for help. Because having a mature faith means that we are, we are deepening our understanding of the nature of God. We're getting a better understanding for who God is. And so we're understanding deeper things like, 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 like uh, uh, the sovereignty of God. That God is in control of all things. Or we begin to understand um, God's, God's omnipotence. That God knows all things. And so as we grow in our, our faith and as we mature in our faith and we understand these deeper things about the nature of God, we start having this idea, well, if God is omnipotent, if God is sovereign and in control of all things, then uh, God already has things figured out. God's already got a plan in place. So I'm going to sit tight because God already has the plan in place and he's not going to respond to uh, my circumstances or react because I don't want things to go this way or because I want something else to happen. For whatever reason, many of us, whether we are Christians or not, we, 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 we don't understand like where our prayers fit into this whole scheme of life. We don't understand why God answers prayer. We don't understand what prayer is about. And so this is why when we turn to Luke chapter 11 today, I think it is exactly what we need to hear today. Because I believe now, we're going to title this, me- this message, uh, Bold Prayers, Praying Boldly. Because I believe that God wants to open our eyes to a different type of thinking about prayer. That God wants us to approach prayer boldly, not, not cautiously, not pessimistic that God's actually going to answer, but that we would actually come before God with bold prayers and make bold requests of Him for His interaction in our lives. In fact, Luke chapter 11 It's going to give us this amazing promise that those who ask, it will be answered. That those who seek, they will find. That those who knock, that it will be opened to us. And that is a tremendous promise that we can cling to. So in Luke chapter 11, this is a passage where Jesus has been teaching on prayer. Verses 1 through 4, Jesus was teaching on the Lord's Prayer. He's teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer. And Dan Brown did a great job the last couple of weeks um, looking at the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. Both the, the gospel writers of Matthew and Luke tell the same, uh, teach the same story, teach the same prayer that Jesus was teaching. And Dan just did a phenomenal job uh, really outlining what the Lord's Prayer looks like. And really, the Lord's Prayer is a guide for us on how we can pray. So if you miss those messages, I'm going to give you a little bit of a summary right here. But you can check them out on our website, restorationyakima.com. And uh, really, uh, as Dan communicated, the Lord's Prayer there is a guide for us on, on five priorities that we should pray. 
He said, first, we're supposed to pray through worship. This is, this is uh, praising and, and recognizing God for who he is. Then the second, uh, second priority for prayer is submission. This is recognizing God for who he is and who we are not. That God is in control, and so we submit to his plans. We submit to his will. He said, we te- thir- number three, he said we, we uh, prioritize dependence, which is where we understand that all of our needs come from God. And we need God for every part of our daily life. Number four, we, we pray for confession. This is where we confess our sin. We confess our need for, for grace in our lives. And finally, we pray for uh, deliverance. Deliverance from temptation. And this is what the Lord's Prayer taught us. This was the, the, uh, the, the guide for how we can pray before God. And here in verse 5 of chapter 11, Jesus is going to continue teaching about prayer. This is probably in the same setting, the same time frame. Jesus said, hey, here's how you pray. And now he's going to start with a story. Before we get into that story, though, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. God, as we right now prepare to open up your word, God, we just pray for your presence to be with us. God, we pray that you would speak to us directly today. God, that you help us to understand, uh, God, the promise that you've given us, that we can boldly approach your throne, that we can pray according to your will, that we can make bold requests of you. And that, God, you care, that, God, you answer, that, God, you hear, that, God, you deliver. God, I pray that you would just speak to us today. God, I pray that you would give us that bold request that we can make known of you today. God, we love you and praise you, and we ask this in your name. Amen. So Jesus starts out in, verse, in the text is in verse 5. It says, and he said to them, Jesus knew that there'd be questions that would be coming. Jesus just taught them, here's how you pray. Here's the way you're supposed to pray. And he knew that there would be the question coming. Like if God has his kingdom, if God already has his will, if God already has his purposes, then why do we even pray? Like what's the purpose of our prayer? Like, and if we do pray, then, then because God already has his will and his purpose and his, all these things in place, then shouldn't we just do like little itty bitty tiny prayers, short, so we don't interrupt God with all the things that God has to do? Because Jesus knew this would be the question. He tells a story to answer that. It says in verse 5, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. So here's, here's, here's the setup for the story. Okay? Picture, your, picture you're asleep at your house, and a friend comes knocking at your door. Comes knocking at your door. Hey! Hey! Wake up! Now, years ago, like if it's midnight, years ago, I might still be awake. Like when I was a little bit younger, I might still be awake watching Saturday Night Live reruns or, I, you know, doing something. But something happened about 14 years ago. I had kids, right? And anybody with kids knows that kids go to bed early because what happens in the morning is they wake up early. And when kids wake up, so do their parents. And so when the kids go to bed, parents are ready to go to bed. That's just the way it works. And so my wife and I, we used to be night owls. Now we're, you know, that's that's, that's a late night. So we're up at midnight. So it says... It says, actually now, this is really weird. Sam and I are in this weird season of life where now we have teenagers. And it's this really weird thing where they stay up sometimes later than we do. 
And like, that's just a weird, uh, a weird thing to be in. I'm not sure how I like this. This is just awkward. Regardless, you've got to picture this. You've got this friend, okay? And they come knocking on your door at midnight and saying, Hey, hey, I had a, a friend who came to my house unexpectedly. In those days, you've got to anticipate there wasn't air conditioning in cars. Uh, there wasn't air conditioning on your camel. I mean, you're just driving through. And so you would travel oftentimes at night because of the heat. And so this friend comes at your house and says, Hey, I had a friend show up unexpectedly at my house, and I need to feed him. And there's no Walmart within driving distance. Walmart's not open anymore. There's no 7-Eleven, and I need something to feed this guy. He says, Hey, give me three loaves of bread. Just three loaves of bread. We can make a couple of hand sandwiches. We can make whatever it's going to be. And, and everybody could be happy. I mean, he's not asking for much. But you got to picture this. He's not asking. It's not, it's not like he's saying, hey, I've got a robber next door. And I need you to come help me deal with that. It's not like he said, hey, hey, my, my, my son hasn't returned home after being in the fields today. Would you come help me find him? He's asking for three loaves of bread. Like that's not very much to be asking for. And it seems like a very small request, but something we have to understand about that culture was hospitality was a big deal in those days to the Jews. I mean, I mean, their hospitality was done to the glory of God. It was, part of their, it was part of their social duty. It was part of their religious duty. For us to be, uh, for them to be a good Jew, you have to have good hospitality. And if somebody comes to your house, you have to take care of them. So this friend shows up in the middle of the night at this friend's house, and he's got a decision to make. Do I be a poor host and not offer him any food? Or do I be a poor neighbor and go wake my neighbor up in the middle of the night? He chooses, I'd rather be a poor neighbor than a poor host. So he comes knocking on your door. Hey, man, hook me up. I need some bread. Here's what it says in verse 7. And he, I'm saying this is you and I, we will answer from within and say, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me, and I cannot get up and give you anything. Again, we've got to understand the differences between our day and that day. Houses weren't thousands of square feet in that day. Houses were hundreds of square feet. Oftentimes, that house was a one-room house. And so you'd have the kitchen in this corner, and in that corner, you'd have the living space. And at nighttime, you'd roll out the mat, and everyone would get a pillow, and everybody would sleep on that mat together. And if it was a really cold night, everybody would, would snuggle up close together to try and keep each other warm. And that's how they did this. And doors in those days, doors were not our nice doors with nice quiet locks. Those were a big deal. It was a big door. You're going to move it. You're going to latch it. It's going to be a, a lot of noise. And so, and so this guy saying, hey, listen, listen. Now, Danielle, you've got a little baby, all right? Kyra, okay? When Kyra's sleeping, like it's quiet in your house, right? Like it better be quiet in your house, right? Like, this is how it happens when you have babies, when you have kids. This is what happens, okay? You put that kid to bed, and you tiptoe around that house. Because guess what happens when that kid wakes up in the middle of the night? That kid doesn't want to go back to sleep. They want to stay up. And so, and so you've got to picture this guy. He's got all these kids around him. He's got this heavy door. Somebody comes pounding on his door. Hey, man, I need some bread. And he's saying, you're a fool. Because if I get up and get you bread, I'm going to wake up these kids, and they're never going to go back to bed, and then I'm going to go to work tomorrow, and I'll be dead tired. And if I open up this door, it's going to make a bunch of clanging. There's no way I'm going to get up and open up this door to give you some bread. And Jesus is going to skip the prolonged narrative. 
And he's going to jump to the point of the story in verse 8. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up to give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Helps him out not because he's friend, not because he likes him, but because of his impudence. This is, this is kind of uh, the, the key word throughout this whole passage. This word impudence comes from the Greek word um, anadea. And the definition of this word means shameless. It means this dude has some, some, some brass. He's got some gall. He's got some boldness to come banging on the door at midnight. And not just bang once, but then keep knocking and keep saying, Hey, give me some bread. Hey, give me some bread. The NIV translates this word as shameless audacity. And the King James Version actually has this beautiful old word that we don't use anymore called importunity, which means uh, it gives this idea of begging. It gives this idea of persistence to the point of becoming annoying. The focus of this word is the boldness of this man. That he boldly came knocking on this door. He boldly came asking for help. He was persistent. He did not stop. He kept boldly asking for help. The point of the story is that uh, the, the, the guy sleeping, you and I sleeping, we won't get up and help that guy because we like him. But we'll get up and give him whatever he wants so he gets off our front porch. Now here's the deal. You and I can look at the story and we like to look at it from the perspective of the guy sleeping. Like we can put ourselves in those shoes. And if we put ourselves in that situation and we think about the story from the perspective of the man sleeping, that doesn't give us a very high view about God. Because obviously that's going to represent God. Like we're the guy coming and knocking on the door and here's God sleeping. Here's God doing whatever he's doing. And, and, and out of his disgust, out of his exhaustion of us coming and knocking, he's like, here, take what you want. Leave me alone. Stop asking. Get out of here. Take it and go. And it could give us this really poor view about God. Like God's really harsh. Like God doesn't really care. But here's the deal. Okay, we need to see the story not from the dude sleeping. We need to see the story from the point of view of the guy who's searching for bread. The guy who's doing the asking. Because that's the emphasis of the story. It's the guy doing the asking. And we have to see his perspective because if we don't, it doesn't make sense. Because in fact, from the perspective of the man asking, here's what Jesus says in verse 9. He says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Jesus is kind of doing a comparison. A comparison of, of this, this friend who was asleep and was reluctant to help. And he's contrasting it with God himself and God's willingness to help. He's saying, the friend, he'll only help to get you off his porch. But God, you ask and he will answer. You seek and he will find. You knock and God will open it to you. This is what he says. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. This is an unbelievable promise for you and I to hear. And he's not giving us much wiggle room. This is very straight up. This is very straightforward. Everybody who asks, they will receive. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, it will be open to you. 
And all of these terms, ask and seek and knock, these are, these are present terms. These are ideas that there's, there's persistent asking. There's persistent seeking. There's persistent knocking. It's this, this process where we don't have to be hesitant before God. We don't have to be embarrassed before God. We can boldly come before him and say, God, this is where I am. God, this is my need. God, this is what I need. This is where I'm at right now, God. And because this promise is absolutely shocking and unbelievable, Jesus says it again in verse 10. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened to you. That's amazing. That's an amazing promise right there. So let's do this. What is your bold request of God? What is your very specific, bold request that you have of God? What is the one thing that bears down on you day and night? The one thing that if you were given the opportunity, that you would boldly ask for God's involvement and interaction in your life. What is that one request? Listen, today we're talking about bold prayers. And so forget whatever holds you back. Forget that nagging voice in the back of your head that says you're not worthy. Forget that nagging voice in the back of your head that says God's not going to answer. Just put that aside. And you think about that one bold request that you would have of God. What is that for you? Is that a specific relationship? In your life? Is that, a, is that a marriage that's falling apart? You're saying, God, I wish you would come in and heal this marriage. Is that a relationship of someone close to you that you wish would be restored? A child, a friend, a parent? Is that, is that you just having a close friend that you could confide in, that would care for you, that would walk alongside life with you? Is that, is that, is that, a prayer of, of salvation for someone in your family, for someone close to you, that you want to see them come to know Jesus as their Savior. What is that bold request? Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's to break that addiction that you've been struggling through. Maybe it's for God to help make sense of the financial mess that you're in and for God to bring deliverance to that. Maybe... Maybe you're in the spot that you're just looking for for meaning in life. You're looking for purpose. Like, God, why am I here? God, what am I supposed to be doing right now? God, just give me direction. Maybe if you're a young person, maybe you're thinking, man, if I could just make that team, God, if I could just get into that school, if I could get into that program, God, just, just help me get this. Very practically speaking, I want you to think about what your bold request is. I want you to write that down. I want you to be thinking about that. I'm going to tell you mine. I'm going to tell you mine. You're welcome to share this bold request if you'd like. My bold request is that I'd love to see this church grow. I'd love to see lives that are changed by the gospel. I'd love to see lives be restored by the power of Jesus. I'd love to see addicts being set free, marriages being restored. I'd love to see people who come from very broken family backgrounds. I'd love to see their, their, their family given a new legacy because of the power of the gospel in their life. Now, that's, what I, that's my bold request. This is why I'm here. This is why three years ago we planted Restoration Church. It's because we want to see God at work right here. Okay? 
So you have that bold request. You've got it down. You've got it in your head. You've got it wherever. And based on this passage, I want to see a couple of steps for us in order for us to pray these bold prayers. First step. First step to pray these bold prayers is we've got to pray according to God's will. Dan emphasized this last week when he was praying through uh, the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, this is what he's taught on. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to pray for God's will to happen in our lives. And so before you are bold in your prayer before God, you've got you've to assess, man, is this prayer, am I praying for my will or am I praying for God's will? Because I tell you, this is what the temptation is for me every month. Like every month, Sam and I will sit down, we'll get ready to pay some bills, get ready to do all this. And man, every time we do this, I just want to pray. Like, God, God, would you just give us some money? Like, God, would you give us more money so we could like slow down and stop having to work so hard? So we could go and enjoy ourselves? Like, God, would you just help us win the lottery? Like, like yeah, of course, of course, if we got the lottery, God, of course we'd tithe. Of course we'd give money to the church. Like, of course, because that's what happens, right? If you're giving a lot of money, of course you'll give some to the church. Just a little side note. <laughs> Sometimes we like to dress up our prayer request as religion. You know, like, like, like God, God, if you give me money, then I'll start giving to the church. If you give me enough money, then I'll start tithing. But statistically, statistically, this is, this is proven through, through statistics. If you don't give with $1,000, you're not going to give with $10,000. That's just the way it works. If you don't give with what little you have, you won't give when you're given with much. That's the way we are as people. So I've, I've had to understand that giving to God is a fearful thing. Because the, and I've had to come to understand that I trust God more to be on. I, I trust my 90% with God on my side more than I trust 100% on my own. That's just what I found. I trust God to provide for me better with 90% than me on my own with 100%. That's just what I have found. But truthfully, when we're praying, are we really praying for, for, for God's will? Or are we praying for our own will? Because God's will looks different. God's will is us saying before God, God, looking at these finances, God, I don't understand how everything's going to happen. I don't understand how this is all going to work. But you do, God. God, you understand how it's going to work. God, help me honor you with all that I have. Help me honor you with my resources. God, help me trust you. Help me trust you with these finances. God, help me provide for my family. God, help me to to work hard. Help my business to succeed. God, help me to honor you. Ultimately, God, help me to honor you, whether I have little, whether I have much. See, that's how we pray according to the will of God. It's a very different thing. Oftentimes, we're praying according to our own will. We're praying for what we want, not for what God would want. So we have to pray according to God's will. And I found the best way for us to wrestle with this, the best way for us to understand whether or not we are praying according to God's will, is to be connected to the people of God, to have mature Christians around us that we can wrestle with and say, hey, man, this is where I'm at. And they can look at you and say, man, I see God's hand at this. I see God at work. Or, hey, man, I don't see God going, leading you in this direction. This is the benefit of, of the community of God, of being with God's people, as we can wrestle through these things together and determine, man, is this what God has for us or not? 
And not only, not only can you have that opportunity to wrestle with this, whether this is God's will or not, but when you talk with somebody about this, that person begins to pray for you for that same bold request. So now it's not just you alone praying for whatever that bold request is. Now you've got a brother or a sister who's praying over you, praying that request for you as well. The first thing we've got to do if we're going to pray these bold requests is we've got to ensure we are praying according to the will of God. The second thing we have to do, Jesus said very clearly, ask. We have to ask boldly. And the idea here is that we ask boldly. We ask persistently. I mean, this is that idea of that friend knocking, coming to your door boldly, persistently. Hey, God, I need you here. God, would you work here? Would you work in this part of my life? God, would you lead? Would you guide? Would you bless? Would you, would you help me understand? God, would you show up? And so you, you are to approach God's throne boldly and persistently, continually. And so... Those two, seem, those two things, they seem a little easy. Like, okay, I, that's, that's, that's easy enough. I can pray according to God's will. That's, that's easy. And I can, I can make the request of God. That's easy. But it's in between steps two and three that things, things begin to fall off the rails for us. Right? Because remember verse 9 and verse 10? It said, ask and you will receive. But then it said, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. See, not only are we to persistently ask, but Jesus is telling us that we have to put action to our prayer. We have to persistently seek. We have to persistently knock. We've got to walk through the prayers that we're praying for. I mean, maybe, maybe you've heard this story before. There's a dude, and, 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 and there's floodwaters that are rising. He's like, oh man, what am I going to do? So he climbs up on top of his roof, and the waters keep coming up. And his neighbor sees him on the roof. A neighbor grabs his canoe and rows over and says, hey man, jump in, I'll, I'll take us to safety. The guy's like, nope, I prayed to God and I'm trusting God to save me. He's like, all right, man, suit yourself. A little while later, the sheriff comes in, the local sheriff, and he's in a patrol boat, he's in a boat. Comes over, hey man, jump in, I'll take you to safety. And the guy says, nope, I prayed to God and I'm trusting God to save me. A little while later, water's still coming up. The, the, uh, the local uh, uh, rescue services, they come with a helicopter and drop down a rope ladder right to them. Hey, man, climb the ladder. We'll take you to safety. Nope. I pray to God, and I'm trusting God to save me. Waters keep rising up. Pretty soon the guy is overcome with the waters, and he drowns. And he gets up to heaven, and he demands to speak to God. And he walks into God's throne, and he says, God, why am I here? God, I prayed for you to save me. And I trusted you to save me from this flood. Why am I here? And God says, yeah, man. I sent you a canoe. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. But you never got in. See, perhaps the reason why some of us are stuck in these perpetual cycles over and over again is because it's easy for us to make the request. It's a little bit harder for us to follow through to begin putting action into those prayers. So this is where we're, we're saying, hey, God, God, I've got this thing here. God, 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 would you take this? God, God, I'm waiting. Would you, would you take this from me? God, I need you to take this from me. God, it's still here. 
God, it's still here. God, would you take this instead of us going and just setting it down? We still hold on to these things. And so you can see this in, in real life situations. Like, 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 we've, like some of us, some of us have like short circuits in our relationships. Like, like every relationship we in, we're in, it just keeps bombing all around us. And so we pray and say, God, God, would you change my heart? But then we never follow through. We never pursue counseling. We never pursue accountability. We never actually try and change. We just assume God's going to do this miraculously and make all things better. Or, or if you've got this marriage that's falling apart, you're at the point of breaking. You're like, God, God, would you save my marriage? God, would you heal my marriage? And you go to bed and you just picture like this, this secret marriage fairy showing up. And all of a sudden, everything's better in the morning. And all the passion is renewed. And all of a sudden, you perfectly understand your spouse's feelings. And all of a sudden, now you communicate perfectly. And instead of saying, man, God, I've prayed. Now I'm going to actually take some steps to see this thing improve. I'm going to pursue counseling. I'm going to pursue accountability and some help. This is, where, this, is where, this is where you begin to pray for your addiction. Man, God, I've got this addiction to pornography. God, help me break this thing, God. God, help me because I keep turning for comfort to alcohol instead of taking comfort in you, God. God, help me in this addiction. Help me to to stop uh, judging people and start having compassion on people. God, help me with this addiction to Pokemon Go, God. Like, Like, help me, deliver me from this addiction. Some of you are addicted to that thing. Don't, don't, don't deny it. But instead of seeking help, Instead of seeking recovery, instead of seeking counseling and accountability, we find ourselves going back to the same addictions over and over again. I think about my specific bold prayer request. God, would you grow this church? I know there's some of you in here that have prayed that alongside me. God, would you grow our church? God, would you change lives through the power of the gospel right here at Restoration Church. Listen, what steps are we actually taking to see that prayer accomplished? What lost person are you investing in? Who are you inviting to this church? Who are you sharing the gospel with? Who are you discipling? Because it's so easy for us just to pray, God, would you help us here? And we sit back in our laurels, thinking God's going to do all the hard work. Listen, there's just a chance that when we pray, that God actually wants us to put some action to those prayers. Praying is easy. The question is, are we willing to step into that, allowing God to work to answer those bold prayers? Because oftentimes that involves us getting off our tushes and getting taking steps for God to accomplish that prayer that we've made of him. So let me just close by asking you a couple of questions. Just thinking about a couple things. Number one, what are your motives behind your prayers? What are your motives? Because I would guess that there are some in here today that need to confess that they're really not concerned about God being glorified. We're really not concerned about Jesus being glorified in our lives. No, there's things we want. We have no consideration to God's name. We just want God to be our sugar daddy, our genie in a bottle. 
So we make the request of God. I don't care how it affects you, but this is what I want in my life. This is what I need in my life. And then we begin to get angry if God doesn't give what we want. We begin to doubt who he is. Listen, what is your motive behind your prayers? Because we need to look and say, what does God's will look like for us? What does God's will look like for you in your life? And how do you pray according to God's will? Second question. Are you seeking? Are you doing anything about those bold prayers that you're praying? Are you seeking help where it's needed? Are you, are you being honest with anybody? Are you seeking accountability? Man, someone here need to confess laziness. Need to confess, God, we expected you to do everything. And, and that you would just do everything for me. Some of us need to confess, God, I need to step into this. God, I need to confess, I haven't moved at all. But God, today I'm going to make that move. Today, I'm going to pursue it. Third question, are you being persistent with that request? Because I guess what it comes down to, when you're persistent in that request, you have a faith and a belief that God can actually do and God can actually answer that prayer. So I guess what I really mean is, do you really believe that God can do what he says he can do? Do you really believe that God can answer that prayer? Do you really believe that when God says, ask, you will receive? Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Because listen, if we actually believe that, there's a persistency that comes from that. That we will persistently pursue God's involvement in our life. If we believe those things, if we actually believe that God can do what he says he would do. So maybe today, maybe today you need to confess that doubt. Confess that doubt and say, God, I've doubted you. But today, God, I choose to believe. Finally, more important than needing your marriage fixed, more important than needing your finances fixed, more important than wanting this church to grow. Do you see your need for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross? Do you know personally the power and the might of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you experienced a real life relationship with our Savior? Because the gospel, the gospel is not that if you love Jesus, he'll give you whatever you want. The gospel is that you'll get Jesus and he'll be enough no matter what. So maybe today, maybe today's the day that you surrender your will. You invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. Say, God, I'm going to follow you. Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for your word. That God, through your word, that you would teach us that we can pray these bold prayers. And that God, you've given us this tremendous promise. This tremendous promise that we need to claim today. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find Knock, and it will be open to you. God, I pray that you help us to believe these words. Not just to mentally ascribe to them, but that we would believe them in our hearts and in our lives. God, I pray that as we, we think about these bold prayers, God, I pray that you would expose our selfishness. 
the times that we're praying according to our own will instead of the will that God has for us. God, I pray that you would expose our, our laziness, the times where we sit back and expect you to do everything with us just standing back and enjoying the benefits. That, God, you'd help us to take the steps we need to see those prayers be answered. God, I pray that you would expose our doubts about your divine ability. And God, I pray that as a church and as a people that you'd help us to pray these bold prayers. But God, for those in this room, that there'd be mountains that would be moved. That there would be captives set free. That there would be marriages restored. God, that churches would grow. And that lives would be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for those bold prayers right now. For that thing that all of us are thinking through right now. As we have the opportunity to respond to your word today, that we would take this time just to pray boldly. Say, God, here's where I'm at. God, help me to pray according to your will. Help me to boldly ask. And help me to put action to this prayer. God, help us to see Help us to see answered prayers in our life. God, we love you and praise you. We ask for your blessing to continue to be on us as we respond to your word now. In your holy and precious name.